Let's um, get to the next story at hand, because I think it's important to focus on this. May is MS Awareness Month. Benjamin Davis joins us right now. He's Senior Vice President at the MS Society. Good to uh, have you joining us, Ben. Thanks for the opportunity. Happy to be part of this experience. When we, <laughs> maybe it is catching. When we uh, last spoke, we were talking about how Canada has some of the highest rates of MS in the world. Why do we have some high rates? Well, that's the mystery that the research community is continuing to try to unpack. There are a variety of factors that go into MS. You know, it could be part genetics. Uh, it could be part family history. It could be related to vitamin D. So often when we talk about why Canada, often vitamin D comes up and you know, lack of sunlight. Uh, also, environmental factors play a role uh, as well in, in MS diagnosis. So it's, the, it's a complicated diagnosis and it's, there's a number of uh, factors that go into determining why Canada has the highest rates of MS in the world. You know, there's over 90,000 Canadians in this country affected by MS. When you talk about vitamin D, I think a lot of people, I'm, I'm probably not the only one that's thinking, oh, maybe I should go out and get some vitamin D uh, caplets. Is that is that something that we should be doing? Is that a preventative or is that just wishful thinking? No, I think absolutely there's, there's some clarity emerging in the research field about the importance of vitamin D. And if uh, your listeners go to our website, uh, there are, uh, you know, lots of good, helpful information, tips and guidelines on vitamin D, as well as other uh, pieces related to MS. It hasn't been easy for uh, people with disabilities throughout this pandemic, that's for sure. How have people with MS been pan- uh, been um, affected uh, during this pandemic? What barriers are they facing? It's incredibly difficult, uh, you know, f- for the MS community. Uh, the access to care has been very challenging, you know, like going virtual uh, has been difficult for people, you know, and thankfully, you know, neurologists and MS specialists have done their very best through the clinics to try their best to reach out to individuals. But, you know, not having those in-person opportunities uh, has been very challenging. I would also say that, you know, even before the pandemic, isolation is always a, a factor when dealing with MS, especially those who are unfortunately living in long-term care, you know, and, and so the pandemic has amplified those difficulties for, for people from an isolation perspective and from a uh, access to care point of view. It's been incredibly difficult for the community. Is there a specific demographic that MS uh, affects more? Well, the we often refer to it as a young person's disease in the sense that people are typically diagnosed between the ages of 20 and 49, right? And so for, for your listeners, MS is a chronic autoimmune disease of the central nervous system. So your spine, optic nerve, and brain, if you imagine those things being like a highway, what happens in MS is you get potholes mm-hmm. in the highway. And trans, transmission is difficult. So symptoms can vary from vision loss to balance and mobility, cognitive issues, uh, pain, there, there's lots of uh, um, symptoms that, that come with MS. There are no two cases that are the same. And so for some, the disease can be episodic, and for others, it can be quite progressive. And so it strikes you in your prime, you know, 12 people are diagnosed, uh, unfortunately, every day. Uh, and the disease is just incredibly uh, challenging for people. And, and so when we talk about things like care, because it strikes you in your prime, often there are cases where there are people living in long-term care facilities 
that just aren't age appropriate. You have stories of people living with MS in their 30s and 40s and 50s living in long-term care facilities, sharing a room with others who are in a different age and stage of life. And, uh, and so this disease is, is troubling you know, in, in many, many ways. Very uh, tough on the caregivers. I know this because I have a friend who, uh, unfortunately, I've, I've watched uh, decline with MS. Uh, you know, he first found out about it, like you say, in the 20s, in his 20s, uh, with double vision, woke up with double vision, things weren't right. Yeah. And then uh, it's been progressive, but it did definitely take a toll on, on uh, people in his family. It's a very stressful um disease to deal with if you're a caregiver are there supports for caregivers that would then allow those caregivers to best support the people that are victims of ms caregiving is such an important part of managing ms and you know caregivers as you've described do so much you know and so for us if we think about resources and support that's available there are there are information you know uh, sessions there's organizations out there there is a lot of focus on the caregiver, but we're in Ontario in particular calling on the governments to do more for caregivers. You know, an example being that if, if someone's looking after uh, someone living with MS and say, for example, that person with MS is trying to apply for various government support programs because when MS takes you out of the workforce, income support programs are critical. And in some cases, based on perhaps the level of the disease that person might be experiencing, they may not be able to apply for things themselves. And so caregivers need to have the ability and the, and, and the regulations need to allow for caregivers to act on behalf of people living with MS to help them apply for funding and things like that. So there's, there is a continued focus on caregiving, but absolutely there needs to be more support and resources available to caregivers across the country, and in particular in Ontario. Well, you're in luck because we're in a provincial election. So um, who, just judging by what you know, has a platform that is going to best care for people that are victims of uh, this horrible disease, MS? Well, I, you know, I don't have that specific answer, frankly, in terms of which platform. I think that every political party needs to intentionally do more for caregiving. We're calling on the, on, you know, we're raising three issues in this election provincially. We want more investment in MS care and housing. You know, as I described earlier, there are too many stories of, of uh, young people living in these long-term care facilities. That it's just not age appropriate. And before they even get to that stage, there needs to be more investment in housing so people can stay at home. There was a recent study in 2020 that showed that people living in care, long-term care, cost about $200 a day per person versus if you are able to provide the resources, supports, and tools for them to age at home, to stay at home and in their communities, it's only $100 a day. So, you know, any um, uh, provincial government that is, or provincial party that is you know, pushing for investments, uh, better investments in long-term care and housing, uh, that's a good thing. The second thing is support for caregivers, as I described. And then the last piece that we're pushing for is improvement to, you know, improve the access to treatments. Um, you know, for those who elect to use disease-modifying therapies to manage their MS, they need to be able to have timely and affordable access to the, you know, the disease-modifying therapies, treatments that work best mm-hmm. for them. Fortunately, there's too much wait time. Not all Health Canada-approved drugs are, are listed in Ontario. Uh, and so you know, plenty of work is required uh, in terms of making sure that the treatment and treatment optimization is, is maximized in Ontario.
Ben, I just want to ask you something, and I am going a little over time, so if, if you could, you know, do give me a brief answer to this. What does that mean, not all uh, drugs are listed in Ontario? Because I can't be the only one wondering what that means. That means, so in, in Ontario, if you if MS takes you out of the workforce and you're left to rely on what's called provincial drug formulary, so what the province will list as a minimum, there are stories across the country where not every province or territory lists all the drugs that are approved by Health Canada. So there are stories of people moving from one province to another to follow the treatment that works best for them. So in our view, if it's approved by Health Canada, it should be listed as an option for those who require or rely on provincial uh, funding and support for their access to their drugs. I'm glad I asked you that question. I think it's important to bring that up. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. And by all means, if everyone is listening, please go check out our MS Walks at the end of the month on May 29th. <laughs> ben, do you want to uh, highlight that for, for us? Because I know it is MS uh, Month. Yeah, thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah, so it is MS Awareness Month. We've had a terrific month of raising awareness and, and uh, you know, uh, much-needed funds for, for the work that we do at the MS Society of Canada. A great example of that is on May 29th. Go to mswalks.ca. There's opportunities for in-person walks as well as doing them virtually, you know, at home or in your communities. It's just a great way for people to come together, connect and support one another and raise, uh, you know, funds for research and programs for for people living with MS. So thank you for that. Well, Ben or Benjamin, as your mother probably calls you, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciated it today. Thanks, Kelly. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Cheers. Benjamin Davis is Senior Vice President at the MS Society.